Welcome to Scanner Schools to session 164 of the podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by our brand new training course, the Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Defined Radios. Everything to know to get started with SDR in an afternoon. Our simple step-by-step course will show you how to set up a brand new SDR, install the drivers on your computer, and have you listening to local stations in just a few hours. This course is free and is available at courses.scannerschool.com. And if you want to know more about software-defined radios, you can check out our upcoming webinar, which will be all about software-defined radios. You can sign up for our free webinar at scannerschool.com slash webinar. All notes from today's podcast we found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 164. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Ed Walsh, Eddie Kay, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Mark Beebe, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Robert, Robert Kassler, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcan. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Scanner School a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. This podcast is here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. Today's podcast, again, is sponsored by our Patreon supporters. I want to thank you all for your continued support, and also my online company, East Coast Pagers, your emergency alerting specialist, eastcoastpagers.com. We want to remind you to please click the subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss another upcoming episode of the Scanner School podcast. Now, today we're talking with a special guest and a brand new friend of mine, Jeremy Hahn, aka Fuzz the Pie Guy. I've been a fan of Fuzz's YouTube channel for quite some time, and he's got some very interesting SDR projects and also some very cool Raspberry Pi projects. So if you're interested, again, in an SDR, SDRs are basically, what they stand for, Software Defined Radios. This means basically your SDR, the hardware. You plug the antenna into one end, and you plug the USB port in in the other into a computer, and this becomes a receiver. The SDR is basically a, a tuner that passes all the RF information to the computer, and the computer then analyzes and does things with 
the signals it's receiving from the SDR. Except in today's case, where instead of using a computer, we are using what's called a Raspberry Pi. Now, the Raspberry Pi was first released in 2012 and has seen several upgrades throughout the years. Now, originally launched as a low-cost computer to help teach computer sciences in schools, it has quickly become the center point of many kits for many hobbyists. Now, from running Minecraft servers to hosting home video libraries, there are applications for many common tasks when it comes to the Raspberry Pi. And it's also a great way to learn about the Linux operating system. Now, in the scanner world, we have software out there that plays very nicely with SDRs and Raspberry Pis, such as GQRX, OP25, and many others that we will talk about on today's podcast. So again, if you're interested in what an SDR is and what you can use it for, I want to remind you, you can sign up for our free webinar, which will be held at the end of February 2021. Scannerschool.com slash webinar will have all of the details. And if you're interested in purchasing a Raspberry Pi, please use our Amazon associate link where you can buy a standalone Pi or a kit. This will be at scannerschool.com slash Pi. That's P-I. There's no E at the end. Again, scannerschool.com slash Pi. So now that you have a basic understanding of what a Raspberry Pi is, hopefully I've whet your appetite for a second helping. So let's jump into this week's podcast interview with our special guest, Fuzz the Pi Guy. Fuzz, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Scanner School Podcast. Like I said in the interview uh, pre-roll, I, was, I am a, a huge fan of your YouTube channel. Why don't you describe for people listening right now what it is that you do on your YouTube channel? Well... I uh, do several different things, mainly uh, Raspberry Pi stuff. I also do uh, RTL, SDR things, and different Linux distributions also. I've been getting into uh, OP25 a little bit, and uh, I've been doing uh, ADS-B for several years, and obviously ham radio, so a wide variety of different electronic type small computer boards and uh and software and hardware and tearing things apart yes you, you got some good teardown videos of the uh rtl sdrs i've seen a couple of those i think you just posted a new one too and i've seen i mean what, what's mind-blowing is your outdoor adsb setup you've got there with with everything sitting in an outdoor box but we'll get to all that but really what i'd like to talk to you about is primarily the AD, um the RTL side or the SDR side of things and how you're marrying them up with the Raspberry Pi because I think that, you know, that's that's a big big part of the scanner part of the hobby. And some of the stuff you're doing with that, especially you just said OP25, which is Linux-based software that allows you to basically turn a... Well, let's use describe What is OP25? Well, this is obviously brand new to me. I just started actually playing with it just a few weeks ago, so I'm very new to it. But uh, I'm currently using it right now. I'm using a Raspberry Pi 3 with a RTL SDR dongle hooked up to a uh, homemade, uh, uh, I guess you could say it's a 2-meter, 70-centimeter antenna that I made to receive uh, my local Phase 2 frequencies for uh, the local fire and and EMS and so on 
So then I uh, upload that to uh, Broadcastify. So like I said, I mean, I'm definitely new to it. So Right. But the trick with, with o, uh, OP25 is that it's free software. You're running it on a what a $35 Raspberry Pi, which by the time you add a case and an SD card, you're looking at what, like $65, $75 tops? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, um, it don't take much. No, not at all. And uh, then you plug in a $30, $35 RTL SDR, and for about 100 bucks, you're you've got a phase two scanner basically yeah i know they can do uh op25 i think does phase one and phase two and dmr so there's wide variety of different uh platforms i guess you can uh run with it i haven't got on the dmr side but uh it does support it but i mean that's the thing you really don't even need a raspberry pi you can use any old computer laying around with Linux on it or even a orange pie. They're a lot cheaper. You know, you can get a $10, $15 orange pie and run OP 25 on it. If you need to save a little bit of money on that side. I didn't even realize there was an orange pie. So that's, that's good to know. There's orange pies, banana pies, raspberry <laughs> pies, atomic pies. I have all of them. So <laughs> Gotcha. I just I just knew the Raspberry Pi, and, and when I started looking at you know the Raspberry Pi thing, I've, I've used Pis for for a couple of years myself here, and I've used them for. I had a one wire weather station, and I used I used that for the Raspberry Pi to take the data and, and publish it out to uh, CW Op and also Weather Underground. I've used a Raspberry Pi as a as a NAS server here at the house to back up stuff, and then eventually you know things kind of blow up on you, and then I also used it too as a a way of pulling still images off my my camera system at the house with CCTV. So it would log in the CCTV, I guess every, whatever I had set for, every 10 minutes, and it would grab the still image, and then it would then create a, a flash file out of that. So you'd be able to look at the last 24 hours of what was going on in, in my front yard. And then also I had it running too, where it would do a one snapshot at noon every day, and you'd get a whole entire year of all these things. And again, it worked great because it was just a Raspberry Pi. It runs with a five volt power supply. So it's very low energy and it just, it disappears. It's a, it's a little bit bigger than the size of a deck of cards, but mm-hmm. they're, they're really cool. The only thing with Raspberry yeah. Pis are, you, you need to know a little bit of Linux to, to do some of the crazy stuff with it, but there's also a GUI on it too. So if you plug in a monitor and a keyboard, you could really learn the Raspberry Pi as if it was a secondary computer. Yeah, the... The Raspberry Pi Foundation really went, I mean, it exploded really in the past several years compared to what it was when I even first started, what, five, six years ago. Because my first Pi was, uh, I forget what model it even was, but uh, I bought an RTL also with it, and that's when I started the uh, ADS-B. So, uh, and that's where, you know, then it went from there. But yeah, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't have a clue anything about it. So, and then was the ADSB your first project when it came to the Raspberry Pi and the uh, the SDR? Yeah, yeah, because I came across uh, FlightAware's website, and uh, I don't know how, but I did, and uh, that's what made me kind of get started in it, and uh, it just evolved from there. So, and that's when you fell down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and it could the the um, the FlightAware website is a really good 
introduction to using Raspberry Pis and SDRs because they actually give you the entire image. All you have to do is basically download the image, and the image is, is basically the operating system and everything else that needs to be delivered to the Raspberry Pi. You, del- you, you save that to your computer's hard drive, no matter what computer you have. They give you the instructions on how to burn that to an SD card, and then you take that SD card out of your computer and you plug it into your Raspberry Pi, and you're basically set up within 15 minutes. So it's a great way to get started with it. And even if you don't know anything about Raspberry Pis beyond that, you'll still be up and running and able to do something with a Raspberry Pi. And even they even had their own hardware now for it. They had their own dongles or their own STRs for their stuff. And uh, it works really well. I mean, I'm using, I'm using their image, their Pi-aware image, to not only do ADSB, but also UAT. It's UAT, right? The, the, the 978 megahertz yes. beacons as well. So, uh, you know, a little bit of, of, of setting that one up to get that to work. But it, once it's set up and works fine, I mean... It's it's almost like what can I do now, and, and that's where you're at, right? You're just constantly like, what can I do next? What can I do next? What can I do next? <laughs> yeah. Now you got to remember the UAT is only good for the United States, but mm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I used to have a, uh, I took an old, uh, I guess it was a cell phone Yogi that covered like 800 to 850 uh, megahertz or something, and I pointed it towards my. Uh, UAT station here that's close close by, well, not really close by, but pointed it in the direction of it so I could pick up uh, UAT. But uh, I don't do that anymore, but I still have my uh, ADS-B antenna and everything up. But, uh, yeah, it works out all right. I mean, you know, that's a good little project for anybody who wants to start with uh, the USB uh, RTL-SDR dongles. So, yeah, and that's that, a really that's good introduction too. I mean, the RTL dongles are so. I mean, they're not. You could pay a pretty penny for some of them, but your most generic ones that ninety nine percent of the people use are anywhere from like thirty five dollars and under. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I have a pile of those, and I've recently started. I mean, that's when I knew I was getting a little overboard with the RTL SDR stuff was. You know, I, I had the, the the original ones, right? Those TV DBs, where they were, that would drift all over the place, made out of plastic, right. and they were they were miserable. I mean, they had the MCX connectors on them, but that's where you started. And yep. uh, then I you grab the new Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, they work. They got you started. And then uh, eventually, I, I grabbed a an AirSpy, and I'm like, well, now I'm officially into this stuff at 200 bucks. You know, I'm spending a lot of money on this thing. I could I could have bought a couple of the cheaper ones. But then all of a sudden, you, you go back and you buy a couple of more of the, the new Alex and the, the uh, RTLSDR.coms version 3s. And then all of a sudden, you're buying the RSP Pi 1s or, or, or RSP 1s or the DA, DXs. Or the, and then my newest thing here is my Hack RF1 I got to take out of the box. But you could quickly, I mean, the more you play around these things, the more the more down the rabbit hole you end up going. I mean, there's things that I, I, I would, I'm looking forward to doing. Like I would, I would love to build, I mean, they even have like the Pogsack encoders. So you can send out pages from SDR. And I've seen videos where people are transmitting on their hack RF and going through a repeater. And I mean, there's some crazy stuff people are doing with these things. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing I liked. I, I, I want to get a hack RF. Uh, I haven't uh, got the wallet out yet for it, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, I, it, mine was a Christmas gift to myself. That that was my only excuse for getting it. Yep. <laughs> so, hey, there, what's wrong it. with it? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it takes money to 
to definitely learn. I mean, it, it is an awesome field. I mean, there's so much different things you can do with them. It's endless. I mean, one of the things I get, I see a lot of online is, you know, can you transmit on them? Well, yes, you can, but you got to have like a hack RF or whatever to do so. I mean, your cheaper ones obviously can't transmit to receive only. Now, the nice thing I do like about the, uh, the one I just posted a video on the, uh, can't even remember what it is. The one from New Elect with the uh, yellow font on it, that covers a little bit more of a frequency range. I think it goes up to like 2200 megahertz, which is nice because the your uh, RTLSDR.com's V3s and your other No Elects will only go to like 1700 and change megahertz. So. Yeah, they're all they're always constantly evolving. So let's um, let's talk about some of the projects that you've done on the Raz- on not only just Raspberry Pis, but as far as with the uh, the SDR stuff. I mean, what what is what was probably one of the craziest projects that you you use an SDR for that you can think of? I mean, because I know you've got a lot of a lot of projects. And I would I would definitely consider some of them to be a little overboard. <laughs> so, but what which one sticks out uh, for you the most? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I used. You know, I use them for uh, the Ghost satellite. I use them for uh, APT, for uh, NOAA satellites. I use them, obviously, mm-hmm. for ADS-B. Uh, what else? I mean, I used them in the past for uh, the software RTL uh, 433 that you can uh, receive uh, your weather station information and uh what is it, the TMPS or TPMS, the uh, tire sensors on vehicles. Oh, right, yes, yes, yes. I think they operate around uh, 433 or 315 megahertz. I think it's 315 megahertz in the U.S. But, I mean, I know at one point in time I had like four ADS-B sites live at one time, so – I guess one of my biggest things, I guess, I built an eight-band center-fed dipole up in my attic that goes from the whole width of my house so I can receive on on the RTL. I use a uh, Hammett-up converter. Now, I know some of your dongles can do, uh, what is it, Q-branch, so you don't really need a ham it up but i prefer i prefer to use a ham it up i think it works a little bit better now explain uh what a ham it up is for anybody doesn't know well a ham it up just basically allows you to get down in the hf frequency range because a lot of your rtl sdr dongles will only go to 25 megahertz and when you're talking 40 meters 20 meters in hf you know you need to get down to 7 14 megahertz and so on. So you need to ham it up to be able to convert that to in order to get down to them lower frequencies. Now, Noelec, I have the older version of it, but they do have a newer one. And I think they came out with a even smaller one. It's kind of about the same size of a LNA, but I'm not uh, too sure on that, but I believe they did. But yeah, yeah, they've got the the micro one or something like that. That's like the size of a you know a Bluetooth receiver, a little bit larger than that. That right. goes on your computer. I don't know if that's the same one you're talking about. I believe it is. I, I believe okay. it is. Uh, 
But like I said, I have the old gray one from years ago. I mean, it still works. I just mm-hmm. power off a uh, five volt power bank. So, because you need uh, five volts to power the uh, the ham it up. Ham it up. Not sure if it does support bias T. I think the newer one probably does. I'm not. Yeah, I think the newer one does. Yeah, I was looking at them, but uh, basically the ham up is is it's a was a transverter, I guess is what the official name is. But it's like a gateway, right? It just it takes you 25 megahertz and it it resamples the low band so that the your SDR can tune to 25 megahertz, but in reality it's it's taking you know seven megahertz and re reconverting it up to 25 megahertz so that your sdr can can monitor it basically it's a black box that does that yeah i mean you you gotta set like if you're using this software like sdr sharp or hd sdr you gotta change the uh like an offset Mm -hmm. like 125 megahertz i think in order for the uh, hammer up to work, but it's easy to use. I mean, it's just a flip of a switch to enable it, or you could just pass right through it. Right. So that's nice. So you don't have to constantly keep hooking and unhooking the hammer up every that's time. Nice. So want. it's passive. Yeah, it's passive right. and you don't need it. That's cool. So it works out pretty good. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com slash support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back to the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire 
Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel, did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your Natcom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. So I was asking about your crazy projects because I remember uh, way back, I think, when you were getting started with the YouTube video, you had a video of your outdoor cabinet that you had. And I think you had something like, I don't know, four or five ADSB receivers sitting there with uh, plexiglass doors that would open up to separate the, the four Raspberry Pis you had in there. And you right. had voltage meters in there, voltmeters, and you had fans going and, and everything was triggering off of something. So if it got too high, it would trigger the fans. And I right. mean, that thing was a massive install. So. Yeah, and actually, that might have been the older one. I'm not sure. I actually had eight pies outside at one time. I had two <laughs> boxes in my backyard that held uh, four pies each. And uh, now I moved all them and got rid of the one box and downsized the other one to just the two pies because uh, – I uh, decided to change some things up, but yes, at one point in time, I had eight pies in two different outdoor enclosures and uh, hooked up to uh, like 40 millimeter, I mean, 80 millimeter fans and under to trigger on once it hit a certain temperature and and stuff. I mean, it worked out great in the summertime. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing that I agree with, but I disagree. You know, I see... A lot of things online of people saying about their Raspberry Pis are getting hot. I never had one fail yet. You know, yeah, I don't live in a desert, obviously, but uh, it gets hot here. And when you have a pie outside that's in a box and it's still getting kind of direct sunlight, even though it's inside that enclosure, it definitely obviously gets hot. But I never, ever had one fail. So, I mean, they could definitely deal with high temperature for a long period of time. But uh, now the RTLs, you know, I never had a problem with them either, you know. Right. But they, they definitely get warm, though. And and you notice oh, those yeah. because you you can touch, you know, you, you'll touch the RTL-SDR to take it out of your USB port. You know, oh, this, this thing got hot. Whereas you're not putting your hand on your Raspberry Pi all the time either to say, hey, is this thing hot or not? Because generally it's in a plastic case. So, uh, and then even uh, many of the plastic case kits come with a heat sink that you, that you can drop onto the, uh, the main CPU on the Raspberry Pi. So, but uh, it is a pretty cool setup. One thing I will say about the, any Pi, really, 
usually, you know, if you're talking about a banana, orange, or a raspberry pie, I do use heat sinks. I don't that much, but if I put them on in the past, I let them on, but uh, I never use them too much, and why I don't use them is a lot of people might not think about this, but if a lot of my pies, especially like the ones outside, were all installed vertical. So with that being said, I had this problem in the past. Now, it didn't cause me no issues, but if you mount the pie vertical and you have a heat sink on there, like I said, I did have this happen. The heat sink obviously gets warm. So it started sliding down oh, no. onto <laughs> other components on the pie. So you're possibly asking for a short yeah. or something. So I don't normally use them if I'm mounting a pie vertical because of that reason. That's something to think about. Yeah, because I was actually thinking about putting a couple of the, my ADSB pie up in the the loft in my garage. And, I mean, that gets you know, 100 plus in the summertime up there. I mean, even in the spring, it gets hot up there. But uh, but that's a good that's something to think about, you know, if I if I move the pie up there. So, good good point. So you uh, you also touched too on on the ghost satellite, and we haven't talked about that yet here on Scanner School. Do you want to um, explain what that is and how you've set that up with a Raspberry Pi? Because this is something that's like, this is really cool. What you could do with the with the Raspberry Pi and an SDR, and yeah, you can download the images off of offline, but to be able to pick right. this thing up in your own backyard is is and this is what a lot of people I mean if they don't get started with ADSB they get started with goes because this is I mean, something that is uh it's it's what's the worst way to say this one I don't know it's it's just magical I guess is the way to say this one so yeah go ahead and explain what what goes is and how you how you set one of these things up yeah it goes it costs a little more money obviously to get set up you know I'm using a Raspberry Pi three for it. A three or a four would definitely be enough. You might be able to get away with the old uh, Pi 2, but you might have problems. Because it does take a little bit of CPU to do it because you're running two terminals at the same time and it's constantly downloading things. And one of the things I started with, I, I saved my images to the SD card, but that's kind of a bad thing because you're not going to get a lot of images. So, because it's going to fill your SD card up pretty quick. So I'm actually mm-hmm. downloading them to a 320 gig uh, hard drive that's plugged into the USB port on the uh, PAR. Then I use a program called WinSCP to transfer the images off of it. So, uh, and that works out pretty well. But no, I mean, for the uh, GOES, I'm using, like I said, a Raspberry Pi 3. I'm using a uh, Noelec uh, Smart T dongle, the black one that has the bias T in it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm using the uh, the saw filter for GOES, which definitely helps. Then I'm using a, a 2.4 Wi-Fi parabolic antenna, and I made a modification on it. I uh, added like a, I got videos of it on my website, but uh, I added, uh, what is it, like a two and a half centimeter piece of PVC in between the the dipole of the antenna and the reflector, and uh, that really helped. So, uh, but 
and you got to obviously have it pointing straight at the ghost satellite. Mm-hmm. And the satellite stays still. It doesn't move. So yeah, once you're locked in, you're locked in. Right. Right. But you definitely want to uh, make sure you're able to pick it up depending on what your uh, elevation is and stuff before you even go out and buy all that stuff because you might buy it all for nothing. Right. Because for goes uh, 16 for me, I'm at like 45 degrees. So I'm, I'm perfect. You know, it works out great. But for go 17 for me, I'm at like 15 degrees. You know, I'm pointing it almost straight into the yeah. next house. Right, so, right. I'm probably never going to be able to really pick up 17 full time. Now I do get some images from ghost 17, but nothing like I probably could if I had a separate one pointing straight at it, but that's not the case for everybody. You might be all right, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so it using, definitely works. You're out. using the same antenna, you're using the same antenna for 16 and 17 or you have two separate antennas. I only have one antenna and it's okay. pointed to uh, go 16. Like I said, I could get another one for 17, but if I'm only at 10, 12, 15 degrees, yeah. I'm probably not even going to pick it up. So I'm not right, even going right. to try it. Yeah, it's too close to the horizon. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, 16 works great for me. And uh, I get plenty of images. I mean, like I said, you know, you can download several, 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 several megs a day from these uh all these images now i went into the script and eliminated some channels so i don't get all these unnecessary channels of images that i don't really want so that definitely saves me uh some uh space on the drive so right so with a backup though the the goes is it's a NOAA weather satellite it's stationary in geosynchronous orbit so basically when when you look at you know, the weather channel or something like that. And they have the images of the satellite view of, of the storms coming in or, you know, those kinds of things. This is where they're getting it from. So you're basically, you've got a homemade weather setup that instead of waiting to get the images off of the internet or from your local weather channel or, or, you know, the news channel at five o'clock, whatever it is, you're picking up and you're, you're basically saying, no, I don't want this image, but I want this image. And I don't need this one, but I want that one. So what kind of, images are you downloading off of the go 16 satellite there's around like 16 different types of images that get downloaded each day it's kind of hard to explain without actually showing it but uh it's like channel one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and i think it might go to about 16 then there's like channel 15 then there's channel 15 enhanced so it's kind of the same image, but maybe a little bit different tweaked as in the color of it or whatnot. But uh, then there's other channels. I mean, that's the thing. There's a, there's a good bit to it. I mean, it is definitely interesting, and I like uh, making time lapses out of them. If right. I don't have any hiccups with it, I can make a really nice time lapse, you know, if I'm not missing in, no images in between. So uh works out really good. I mean, it can be a pain to set up, that's for sure, because you got to have your uh, VIT number within probably at least 400 and under. And one thing I noticed in the summertime, 
my number goes up. So I guess with things warming up, my dongle, my saw filter, I guess with the heat and temperature, it makes my uh, receive number go up. So I get errors on it, then then it won't download. Right. So in the wintertime, it's perfect because, you know, like I said, all this stuff's outside. So yep. – uh, and that's the beauty of it, though. It's like the – so you've got your antenna, and instead of running the antenna into the house, by the time you'd run that into the house, you would lose the signal. So you've got – basically, you've got the, the antenna, and then in the antenna, you've got the, the preamp, right? Or you got the soil filter. And then after that, you've got the, the RTLSDR. And then that then goes into your Raspberry Pi, which could be anywhere, but you've got it still as close as you can to that, I guess. So either in the outdoor enclosure or somewhere close – but yeah, I mean the the whole the whole radio head setup goes basically at the antenna, and that's the beauty of of the RTL SDRs is that now with the RTL or the SDR sitting directly at the feed horn or at the antenna, you've got very minimal loss between what's coming to the antenna and into the radio, and that's exactly what you want when you have something like this. Yeah, my my coax run from the antenna to the uh, the RTL is only about five feet. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm just using regular uh, RG6 uh, TV cable. Oh, using, yeah, just TV cable. Okay. I just use Quad so. Shield and mm-hmm. uh, works fine. Yeah, I mean, that's rated for those frequencies anyway. So, right. Yeah, it's like 1791 megahertz or something mm-hmm. like that, I believe. Because in the past, I actually had a extended USB going from the Pi to my RTL, which was only about a foot and a half, if that, length of coax because I just connected it straight to the pigtail coming off the antenna. But I was having some issues and stuff with it, so I was like, well, let's run a piece of coax and we'll see what happens. And, you know, it still works fine. So uh, actually it might have helped me a little bit with my numbers because I was getting maybe possibly a little less interference with where it is because – the thing I've noticed, at least in my setup, that when it comes to goes, it is hard to get it lined up. But like I, like you said, you know, once it's lined up, you're fine. I have a pole that's concreted in the ground, and I, I'm using an old uh, dish network mount to mount my uh, Wi-Fi antenna. And uh, then I just use that mount to slowly move it to where I need it and uh, bolted it down. But the little, just a slight movement, even if it's just your coax will change that number so much. It's, 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 it can be a pain. I mean, there ain't no doubt about it, but once it's, you have it dialed in and it's set up, you set it and forget it. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly it. But there are other satellites out there too, weather satellites you can receive, and they're not geosynchronous. So they will pass overhead. So even those are a little challenging as well with, with everything because oh, yeah. now all of a sudden they, they, they're, they're coming and going and they're at different azimuths and different elevations and, and stuff yeah, like the that. Devil. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you can use a. Uh, I built uh, two homemade. Uh, QFH antennas for uh, NOAA out of uh, 3 eighths uh, soft copper. 
it works out fine, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, them satellites obviously keep orbiting around. So uh, a very low pass, you might not get very good images, but, you know, anything probably from at least 40 degrees and up, you should definitely get decent ones. Yep, and again, too, it's if 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 the weather satellites aren't your thing, then is obviously you can listen to uh, ISS as it passes overhead if they're transmitting, or they they do uh, SSTV, which is one of my favorite modes to do with them because you just yeah. basically set it and forget it. It's the same deal. You just set it and forget it, and you let uh, the SDR or you just your uh, computer hardware do all the work for you, and you come back, you've got all these images on your screen. So so that's that's another way of playing around with satellites without actually having to go too crazy with it. And again, for, for a lot of those passes, I just use my vertical antenna. So uh, I won't get them when they're 75 to 80 or above, but when they're out towards the horizon, like 25 degrees or more, I, I typically have a good good pass with them. So it's a lot of fun, the side stuff. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things I really do enjoy about the hobbies is picking that kind of stuff up. And just to think that you've got something that's flying overhead – you know, and, and you're picking it up. It's, right. it's really cool to be able to do something different. So it's, yeah, it's thinking it, outside the box, you know, with yeah. the hobby. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you could do a lot with very little money spent in this hobby when it comes to pies or the RTLs and stuff. Because if you get tired of it, you just wipe out the software or whatever and start over with something different. You or know. or you just buy another SD card and really? you just put a sticker on the other one and you pop in a new one. It's like changing the cartridges on your Nintendo. <laughs> you, <know? Yeah. laughs> you pull out the old cartridge and you pop in a new one and then you, then you have something different on there. So Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, with the uh, SD cards being so cheap, yep. you know, it is a lot easier. I mean, I use the uh, Samsung uh, 32 gig uh, SD cards, the greenish ones. Mm-hmm. I had very, very good luck with them. I have yet to, to have one fail. I had multiple Samsung uh, SD cards, the, uh, what are they, the orangish type color, fail multiple times. So I stopped using them. Yeah, I've, I've had issues too with some stuff like that too. So I was using SD cards and I, you know, they only have so many rights to them. So I had an issue where I would write to them too many times when I was running my first weather station with it. And then when I set my NAS server up, I, I uh, wanted to avoid that. So I moved, basically, it was just a boot sequence on the SD card, and then everything else got moved over to the external hard drive. And mm-hmm. then the, the, the thing with that was that hard drive failed. It completely just went and went toes up on me. So my entire boot sequence and my cron and all my custom scripts were on there, and I lost all that. And it's like, oh, do I really want to start over again? But then you do, you know, you, you dust yourself off and you do something else with it. And then I eventually had something else on a, on a Pi fail. So it's like, oh, well, now I know I take the image and back up the image, which you can do. You can just back the image up of the card up and you can archive that image on your other computer's hard drive. This way, if you do get a failure, you just put another SD card in, you copy the image over, and then you pop it back in the Raspberry Pi and you're back and off to the races again. So, right. and again, too, I mean, the Raspberry Pi, it is intimidating if you first start getting into it, right? Because it is Linux. But there is the GUI on it. But there's so many tutorials out there. And your YouTube channel is, I mean, it's 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 full of guides on how to set up the software and what to look for and how to and how to put these things together. So uh, you've got a great resource there on, on how anybody who's looking to set up a Raspberry Pi with an SDR. I mean, you've got uh, you've got the channel to go to. Yeah, I mean, it's a work in progress. I mean, you know, I'm slowly getting there. But uh, 
I just do it for fun. I don't do it to just do it to help other people because I've been in everybody else's shoes, you know. What's this? What do I do with it? And, and I mean, I, 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 I'm still that way, you know, because I, you still learn things every day. That's why I got into the different types of pies, especially, you know, within the probably the past year, I've been messing a lot with the atomic pie. And uh, you can do a lot more different things with that. Yeah, the support might not be there like the Raspberry Pi. The Raspberry Pi has the best support system out there versus mm -hmm. any other Pi. Yep. There's no doubt about it. But uh, the Atomic Pi is a whole other thing. I mean, you know, it's 64-bit. You can run 64-bit uh, OSs on it. And the nice thing I like about the Atomic Pi, they're 35 bucks. Yes, they are bigger than the Pi, the Raspberry Pi, but... Uh, they have 16 gig onboard storage. You could also boot from a USB and you can boot from the SD card slot that's on it. So you have multiple different things. And the nice thing I like about that is I can put one OS on the onboard storage, have another OS on the SD card, or have another OS on a uh, external solid state or something. And I can pick and choose which one I want to load. Because it That's has a cool. bias, and I can pick what, you know, in the bias, I could choose what to boot from, just like you can with, you know, any other type of computer. So that's pretty mm -hmm. neat that you can take that out in the field or something if you want to make a, uh, you know, a ham radio go kit or anything to do with RTLs and stuff and change uh, operating systems on the fly. Right, right. And again, too, you can simplify this as well. It's just putting, uh, was it GQRX on there, right? And just operating RTL as it was just a regular uh, receiver. Right. So, uh, so yeah, you don't even have to get as fancy as we were talking about. I mean, you could just set that up and let that run. Or uh, I, I think people have been trying to put on there, what, uh, Trunk SDR or SDR Trunk on there. And, and, and there's a lot of great software that's coming out that uh, plays well on the Raspberry Pis because the Raspberry Pis just get more and more robust and and oh, i mean I, I i was even hearing too that people putting windows windows 10 almost on these things yes so, yeah so. the atomic pie will run windows 10 mm -hmm. i never really tried it but it can be done now a lot of people use gqrx for linux because obviously it's linux or mac supported but uh Another nice piece of software, yes, you have to build it and compile it from source, but it's worth it, I think, is uh, SDR Angel. Okay. I have a guide on my website that shows, you know, step-by-step step to how to get it up and working for RTL SDR dongles, building it from source and installing the dependencies and everything. But the nice thing about the SDR Angel is it'll work with DMR right out of the box. You don't have to add no plugin. You don't have to really do anything. You just go in and change a few things or whatnot, and bam, you can receive uh, DMR with your RTL or just anything that your RTL is able to pick up. I mean, you know, SDR Angels, just like HD SDR or SDR Sharp or GQRX, it's just another GUI-based uh, piece of software but it is decent that it can support dmr you know and stuff right out of the box 
Right, right. And again, too, it's funny you say with compiling, too, because that's the other thing, too, with, with Linux. A lot of stuff will work with just a couple of, you know, you install it type of deal. But some of it, you need dependencies. And you have a Windows world, all those dependencies are installed when you you install the program. But with Linux, I mean, a lot of this stuff you've got to do. And I was I was reading something the other day, uh, some software for the Pi, and I forget which program it was for, but it's like, you know, the guy's like, well, go ahead now and, and, and take a break because it's going to be 30 minutes to compile this. And then you come back to it and he goes, okay, now run this command. Okay, now come back because it's going to be another hour and a half. But trust me, you know, it'll be worth it. Just walk away and come back later on. And he goes, okay, it's been an hour and a half. And here we, you know, I mean, it's like, it takes a lot of time sometimes to, uh, to get these things up and running when you have to compile them. I mean, I was, but compiling shouldn't scare anybody. It's everything is all mapped out and, and people will tell you what, just what to type in order to get these things to do. You're just kind of waiting for the, the computer or, or in this case, the, the Raspberry Pi to build the software it needs in order to put the software on you need. So. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you build the SDR angel from, uh, source it will take a while it'll take you know maybe up to at least 45 minutes to an hour depending on what you're running it on to uh build it and everything but it is a nice little piece of uh software so and a lot of that falls down to you know how much ram are you is your uh pi or whatever you may run it and that's the nice thing also about linux you could run this on an old crappy laptop that you had from five years ago if it's somewhat decent it'll run linux and throw a rtl in it and yep. there you go you know it's a good way to recycle some old old computers it's a really good yeah, way to recycle I've old computers yep you know yeah, I me too. To have a little uh 10 inch uh a use i think or whatever a little uh 10 inch uh laptop you know, and I did the same thing. I installed uh, Linux on it. Now, I wouldn't run Ubuntu or nothing on it, but maybe like a ex-Ubuntu or mm-hmm. there's so many different flavors of uh, Linux. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you can get lost as well. I mean, because I've you tried CentOS and then uh, OpenSUSE, I guess is the way to say that one. And I guess Ubuntu and uh, Mint. I mean, it, there's there's a whole bunch of flavors. But if you're just going to do something that requires a, an SDR receiver, just you can pick something that just has a command prompt. And once you load the the, the old DOS days, you just run the software, and then it starts the GUI that it needs. And then you don't need to have all the the bells and whistles. So. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I made I turned in I turned one of my Atomic Pies. I put uh, Linux Mint on it, running on a solid state drive. Then I installed a bunch of ham radio software plus RTL type software on it, so I could just plug that right into the uh, USB and uh, I got slow scan TV on there and GQRX and whatever else was on there for uh rtl and other things but yeah i mean it's a nice little hobby to get into i mean it's it don't take up much uh space nope you know it's very efficient as in electricity and and it doesn't have to eat up your wallet (laughs) yeah oh it can eat up your wallet depending right but it doesn't have to (laughs) but right Right. I mean, yeah. like you said earlier, you can get up and running something decent for, you know, a hundred, hundred quarter. And, yep. uh, especially now that, you know, you got the Raspberry Pi that's four or eight gig. Yes. I mean, you can really, uh, go to town with it. Yep. Yep. And again, too, you, you can run so like, like you were playing with before, you know, OP 25 on there. And, uh, you could pretty much, 
if you can't afford a SDS 100 or SDS 200, you know, the scanner, you can, if you've got an afternoon and you've got some time to kill, and if you're one of these guys that don't mind sometimes banging your head against the wall for a little bit to try and get something to work, uh, you know, not to say you can't get it working, but sometimes it can, it can, you can trip you up, but, uh, that's that's part of the reward on it. You know, you can you can either spend six hundred seven hundred dollars on a piece of hardware that works out of a box, or you can build it yourself. And if that's something you enjoy doing and you don't mind spending a couple hours or a couple of days to get this thing up and running, you could be rewarded with a very cheap and efficient alternative to that expensive radio. Troubleshooting is the 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 funnest part of all of it. <laughs> Well, it depends who you are. Some guys just want to work out of the box, and some people like to tinker. So that's that's where you separate the people, you know? That's the thing with me. I have always been that type of person. Let me try every avenue to get this to work, regardless if it's hardware, software, whatever. And if I go down all avenues and can't get it, fine. But at least I tried. So... uh and I, I go and out of my way at times with a lot of things to see if I can figure it out. So, but I mean, I've been that type of person. I've always been hands-on and and stuff, tearing things apart, putting things together. And, you know, I kind of do that with my job. I mean, uh, I do uh, wireless telecommunications. Uh, so you and me both. So, you know, it's uh, a lot of hardware and software. <laughs> yep. Yep, no, I, I completely get it. So where can uh, people find out a little bit more from you? You said you had a, a website, so why don't you go ahead and plug that? It's uh, Fuzz the Pie Guy, F-U-Z-Z-T-H-E-P-I-G-U-Y dot tech, T-E-C-H. I wanted something a little bit different. <laughs> you went way different on that one. Yeah, that's that's a good one though. But we'll we'll definitely put a link to that with the podcast episode. So if someone wants to check it out, fuzzthepieguy.tech. And where can people find your YouTube channel as well? It's just uh youtube.com forward slash fuzzthepieguy. Excellent. And we'll link there. Anywhere else they can uh, reach out to you? No, not really. I mean I That's it. I uh <laughs> I mean I use my Twitter, but I kind of keep that, you know, separated kind of from uh, from my website and stuff but uh but yeah i mean my youtube channel i mean i try to reply the best i can as most as i can to comments on it so yeah that's that's where i found you was on was on your youtube channel so uh, like i said i've been a (laughs) subscriber for a while so you do good stuff on there i really i really do enjoy your channel so all right anything else before we uh we uh wrap up no i don't think other than have fun with it you know yeah, it's exactly it. It's a fun part of the hobby. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's only involving more, you know. It's only expanding. Yeah, and I, I've said it before, and I, I think that we are still just getting started in the uh, SDR uh, journey. I mean, it's been out for oh, years yeah. now, but yeah. the way things have progressed and the, the way they're getting easier and the way more and more software is showing up, we are still ground floor when it comes to oh, what's coming, yeah. what's out here with SDRs. Yeah. And that's the so, thing, the possi- uh, you know, the possibilities are endless, you know. I mean, yep. it's amazing. It is. It is. Well, Fuzz, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on uh, this Scanner School episode. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Fuzz, thank you again 
for spending time and being a part of the Scanner School podcast. I really do appreciate it. And again, if anybody who wants to subscribe to Fuzz's YouTube channel, which is again where I found Fuzz the Pie Guy, you can go to youtube.com slash Fuzz the Pie Guy. And again, there's no E in pie, all right? It's Fuzz the Pie, P-I Guy. You can also check out his website at fuzzthepieguy.tech. Again, it's no E in pie, fuzzthepieguy.tech. Can't remember that? We'll have links to everywhere that you can find Fuzz in our session notes, scannerschool.com slash session 164. We'll also put a link to where you can purchase your own Raspberry Pi kit if you want to get started. Again, scannerschool.com slash pie, no E at the end scannerschool.com slash pi. All right. How do we do? Again, you can check out this week's session notes, scannerschool.com slash session 164. You can also check us out on our weekly Zello net, scannerschool.com slash Zello. Also, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast player of choice or by signing up for our newsletter on the front page of our website at scannerschool.com. And if you sign up for the weekly newsletter, you'll also receive scanner radio tips and podcast reminders delivered directly to your email inbox. And again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to share the podcast with your friends, those in your scanner radio circle, and your favorite online forums, websites, and groups. That's how we can help more people in the scanner radio hobby. I'm Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next week, 73.